That night I had a dream. I drifted off thinking about happiness, birth, and new life. But now I was haunted by a vision of blah 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 blah. blah. He was horrible. Oh, oh, my personal favorite. Had their entrails cut out and burned. <laughs> a man with all the powers of hell at his command. Oh, vision. Is this in 3D? No, but your face is. You could turn the day into night. Have a nice flight. And laid the waste to everything in his path. Chrissy, over by the wall. Bring me the big knife. It was especially hard on little things. Bring me the big knife. I'm gonna cut my throat. The helpless and the gentle creatures. Give me my wife. He let the scorched earth in his wake be foul on even the sweet desert breeze that whipped across his brow. It's like unbeatable. I didn't know where he came from or why. It's not exactly my out here. I don't know if he would dream or vision. But I feared that I myself had unleashed him. Welcome back to the unbearable weight of Nicolas Cage. I'm Luke. I'm Devin. And I'm Abby. And this week for a entirely coincidental 4th of July special, we're going to be watching... National Treasure! National Treasure! Uh, yeah. Uh, for the last episode, we had put up a poll of three movies, and National Treasure came in second. And, uh, yeah, now... To be fair, most of Nicolas Cage movies fits for a 4th of July special. That's... that's... Had we watched Guarding Tess, that also would have been a very fitting 4th of July special. Along with several of the other movies that were not in our poll. Ghost Rider! That's a Halloween movie, Luke. No, nothing is more American and 4th of July than a guy who rides a motorcycle over things. In a couple of months, we can watch to queue up for 9-11, World Trade Center. Or we could watch, uh... What, what was the Rapture movie that we went and saw in theaters? Left Behind. Yep. That's essentially the same thing. It's all about him trying to stop a plane crash. <laughs> oh, Christ. I'm I'm just thinking about that movie which takes like two chapters of a book and pulls it into a full length thing so they can try and trade Nicolas Cage's name to get the conservative mainstream Christian audience. But instead we're gonna watch him steal the f- national fuck. <laughs> Yes, but I have had the teen heartthrob Chad Michael Murray was also left behind. But nope, we're going to watch him steal. Was this teen Chad Michael Murray's teen heartthrob's days, or was this like he hasn't aged super great? It no, this is like two, in... 2010s Chad Michael Murray. Well, Chad Michael Murray's aged perfectly fine, but he is not a teen heartthrob in twenty. 20- I mean, that part is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Abby's saying he didn't age great. I don't Look think I've him. seen just him in anything in, like... Okay, I must have seen something where they made his face look much older. Did you not watch Agent Carter? I did not watch Agent Carter. Agent Carter was great, and he was in it. And we never get to find out what happened to him. I thought they finally covered that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
No, it was just taking place beforehand. Ah, okay. Yeah. Agent Sousa will appear in this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it takes place. Yeah, I, I've picked up random things from the AV Club article headlines. Oh, okay. And you know who else was in Agent Carter Season 2, Abby? American Heart... My mom! <laughs> I was going to say American Heartthrob Ken Marino. Oh, yes. Uh, as a very Italian man. Uh, that tracks. <laughs> he loves his mama and crime. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, this... Both of them also were in the hit television program, Dawson's Creek. Ken Marino was in Dawson's Creek? Hell yeah, he played a college professor that Joey had the hots for. Oh, God. And Ken Marino was like, no, this is inappropriate. But uh, we're not talking about that. Today we're going to watch Nicolas Cage steal the national fuck, or as most of us know, the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) I was waiting to come back to that. As we have the national treasure page on Disney Plus pulled up on the screen right now. A beautifully pensive-looking cage with his just starting to get the most receding parts of his widow's peak to really shine through. And it's amazing. It's a great movie. I am so truly excited. Yep, and this is one of the movies that you had seen before the podcast Mm -hmm. and that you enjoyed. That's because everyone has seen this movie before the podcast and enjoyed it, Luke. Yeah. My mom hates Nicolas Cage. My mom likes this movie. <laughs> it's some heisty bullshit. Who doesn't love some heisty bullshit? Mm-hmm. Well, the first one's got Sean Bean. She does love Sean Bean. Sean Bean, Dying King? Mm-hmm. I watched enough of those Sharps television programs with her as a child growing up. Sharps? There's a lot of them. Sharps? The TV program that he is in that takes place during the Napoleonic Wars. I am unfamiliar with this. Ah, there's a lot of them. It's based off of some book series. Hmm. But they're all like an hour and a half long television programs, and there's at least like 15 of them. Ah, okay. Very neat. Sounds very British. Sharp's Company, Sharp's Enemy, Sharp's Honor, Sharp's Gold, Sharp's Battle, Sharp's Sword, Sharp's Regiment, Sharp's Siege, Sharp's Mission, Sharp's Revenge, Sharp's Justice, and Sharp's Waterloo. Okay, so it really took me until this point to realize that it's Sharp apostrophe S is what we're dealing with here. Yes. Oh, and Sharp's Eagles and Sharp's Rifle. Yeah, I, I was also kind of confused there, because I thought it was going to be something where Sean Bean is a professional card sharp. No. Would you watch him as a card sharp, though? What is a card sharp? Like a professional person who swindles other people in cards? That is a card shark. I'm pretty sure it's both card sharp and card shark. Mm. I pretty sure it is not. <laughs> the first thing that came up when I googled Sharp after the just random here are people in your city who have the last name Sharp on their business name was Sharp, 
Skinheads Against Racial Prejudice, the Wikipedia page. Also, I have pulled up Google Card Shark. Luke has quickly edited Wikipedia in the last couple of minutes to try to prove me wrong, but I don't believe him. <laughs> a card sharp is a person who uses skill and or deception to win at poker or other card games. Sharp and shark spellings have varied over time and by a region. The label is not always intended as pejorative and sometimes used to refer to practitioners of card tricks for entertainment purposes. And then there's also a bunch of YouTube videos of guys who have those credit card knives. Oh yeah. I'm just saying card sharks became the hit television program, Luke. Not card sharps. Yeah, but card sharps is the famous painting by Caravaggio, Devin. I ain't no art nerd. It is important to mention here that Sharps, the Sean Bean series, has an E at the end. That's also this character's last name. Again, that makes more sense. Also, it's important to note that famous card Sharps include Gambit, fictional Marvel superhero. Probably. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, Abby, when did you first see this movie? Probably pretty. I don't think I saw it in theaters. <gasps> so, actually, the first time I saw it might have been on the bus in 8th grade to Washington, D.C. Yes, we all watched it on our 8th grade bus trip to Washington, D.C. Not me. I have a shitty bus without a TV. Nice. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, that would have been the spring of 2005 for me. So I think that probably would have been the first time I had seen it. Okay. What about you, Devin? When was your first interaction? I would have seen it when it was in theaters. Luke? I think my family rented it after it came out on video and... I don't remember much about it. And then I think one of the times I was taking a bus back from Pittsburgh to Columbus and it made a stop in Akron. They had it on the TV on that bus. But I was trying to be a highfalutin idiot who was reading Sandman on the bus. College Luke. He went through phases. Look at Luke. Now I'm smart enough to say, Nicolas Cage, good. Sandman, rather overrated. Look at Luke with the hot takes. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything else that we want to say before going into this? This is the first movie that we have all seen? Yes. Yes. All right, well, it's... And will probably be the last movie that we have all seen. I mean, if we see National Treasure 2... I suppose. I don't, we will. I haven't seen Book of Secrets. Oh, really? Yeah. What about this movie fine. made you not want to seek out more of it, though? I agree, because 2 was not as good, but... But you didn't know that going in. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was just one of those things where I was renting, like, you need to see these movies before you die films on Netflix. a bad take 
Also, Book of Secrets came out in 2007, Luke. Oh, okay. So that would have been the year before I graduated. So yeah, I would have moved by then. Yeah, no, I was still an idiot then. That was when I tried to argue that Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip was better than 30 Rock. Jesus! Yeah! Yeah. Wow, Luke. Yeah, no, I, I quickly realized how wrong I was for trying to pick something mature over uh, something that was actually well-written. New 30 Rock, like in a week and a half. <sighs> which which actor do you think is going to break quarantine and risk their life for a touching emotional moment? I don't know. I assume they're just doing it like the, the uh, Pirates of the Rack one did. Yeah. We we watched uh, Mythic Quest, though, and they did a uh, quarantine episode. And then it's like, oh, uh, two of the characters are, or two of the actors are breaking quarantine for an emotional moment. That's not a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, Mythic Quest is still very good. And let's see how good National Treasure is. It's great, shut up. It's going to be guess. fantastic. The one I want to see is Sonny doing a uh, quarantine episode. That would be fascinating. Because they can actually have some of the actors together since they're married. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wife. But then you'd have to explain why Rob McKill- uh why, uh... Mac has no, but it would even else. be better for yeah, but it would also be better to have uh, Mac and D be stuck together. It would be like, how did that happen? Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to go and steal the Declaration of Independence with Nicholas Cage, and we'll be back after this. And we're back. It turned out the true f- treasure was the friends we made along the way. It was the Diane Kruger that Nicolas Cage found along the way. Yeah, but she didn't kill Nazis in this one by burning down the theater. Damn, truth. The real got pissed about five million dollars in the end. <laughs> the real treasure was going to Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I feel like you, I feel like the movie is longer than it needs to be, because... There's about one or two clues too many. Yeah, like they, like, John... Maybe not even clues, but we've escaped from Sean Bean one or two many times. Yeah. The, the beginning of the movie, I feel, could have been shortened, like... I'm not sure we needed to see them ride all the way up to the Caroline. And we didn't need to spend as much time in the Caroline. I have less issues with that because it's showing, like, he will go to extreme lengths for this and we sort of get the relationships that we're going to get. But I... The fact where it's like, oh yeah, no, there's two separate clues on this, or... 
having him getting captured by the FBI for a while, like, yeah. it, it serves a purpose, but it's also just like, oh, well, now we're going to New York City. Oh, this is where the treasure is. Okay. Yeah, the whole boat thing, the meet me on the deck of the Independence was kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. We just gotta get him out of there. Yeah, but... I think and it shows the ineptness of the FBI. Always a good thing to show the ineptness of the FBI. <laughs> Wait, did you also, say the let's ethnic- be real. Did you say the ethnicity of the FBI? No, or- I said no, the, I said the inept. Okay, yeah, we both said ineptness. <laughs> I was very confused. I did not have caffeine this morning. That was a mistake. What? Yeah. Also, I would say this entire movie is Nicolas Cage's fault. Yeah. I mean, there is also something about purposely going to look for a treasure that has been storied in its past that it is too much of a treasure for any one person to have. Mm Mm-hmm. I blame the U.S. government for this, but also Nicolas Cage for his presentation of the situation to the U.S. government. Because if he brought up the records of, hey, my family has this long history, there is a guy who offered me a lot of money who wants to get this treasure, look, he confessed to doing some shady shit before, and has been involved with crimes before, you need to take this seriously. So really, you think he should have taken a tape recorder onto the Charlotte, asked Ian more specific questions about what he did in his past life, and then just been like, here, FBI, here's some evidence for you. Have a great day. Here's my opinion. He should not have betrayed Sean Beat in the first place. I, That's where everything goes downhill. I think he should have made a PowerPoint. I think he should have had a PowerPoint presentation on, this is who I've worked with on the past. I believe that because of information that I found, he is going to try and take the Declaration of Independence... And that would be a lot more believable than him and Riley, who I don't like, going in. <gasps> yeah, right. I don't think he's a good character. I think he's <gasps> sucks. Riley's a great character, Luke. You shut your damn mouth. The disbursement of Justin Bartha here is just... Horrible. I was always sad that he never blew up after this film. I thought he was going to. Yeah. Looking at his... Filmography, it seems like he was very much on the verge of doing that. Because he had the hangover films, but he's always the character who gets knocked out that they're trying to fight. Yeah, because he's, he's not really in the hangover. He's in, like, the no. beginning and end scenes of the hangover. So, yeah. Oh, and he was in America's favorite hit film, Geely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, bring in a PowerPoint so it's not just two random white dudes, one of whom can't even give his real name because of his family being involved with a conspiracy. Have your checks, have your receipts. If you went all the way to a frozen place in Canada, that was? Why would he have the receipts? Sean Bean's going to have them receipts because he's bankrolling that thing. Because if he went on a flight, there would be flight records. Unless, but Sean Bean is so rich in this movie, I'm sure that he had 
his own private, private jet, and then mm-hmm. it would be much harder to get the private plane records. Because sometimes you don't register correctly with the FAA, especially if you're doing fucking shady shit. I mean, they're going to the Antarctic. You don't get commercial airline flights down there. It was three years after 9-11. I think that the government could have done a lot of shady things. Especially because it's the Freemasons. Yeah. Everyone loves the Freemasons. But anyhow, I personally don't think that Sean Bean would have been evil had Nick Cage not betrayed him. I think the... That is my personal belief. Because he seemed, like, really on board. Like, yeah, I want to help you clear your family's name. Like, he only started showing signs of evilness once Cage says, well, you've invested all this time and money to helping me with this. Now, fuck you. Yeah, it was kind of a wide swing. Because we never actually hear Sean Bean say, I want all this treasure for... Like, he never has a very good motivation for why he wants to find the treasure. And what he's going yeah. to do with the treasure, and if it's purely for personal gain. Or, I mean, it's implied, but it's also just kind of like... I feel like a lot of it's for some of it, but... It's for the, yeah, the personal gain, but... It's, it's like, it's because like he's Nick Cage is worried that he's going to destroy the Declaration of Independence. It's like, quite cheerfully, I feel like if you were still on board, he would not do that. Right. I also kind of feel like he has enough, like faith and trust from his men that they are willing to break into government facilities using military-like precision to take care of things. Like, he can't be a completely asshole boss. R.I.P. Shaw. Yeah. I mean... R.I.P. He made sure that the people got away from the boat instead of outside of the Charlotte instead of just letting them die, except for Cage, who betrayed him. He does just kind of have a very dark character arc with not a really with not a lot of exposition of what is forcing him down that path or what is causing the change. For me, it is a this is what he knows. Beforehand, he had Cage, so he could follow down this like nice let's go on our little historical adventure together thing. But and now I say, oh, now you're gonna fuck me. And I, I all I got is this other dark shady stuff that I know how to do. And I'm just going to win now for the sake of winning. And yeah. also he uses Yahoo as a search engine. <laughs> He's and then he gets even better. more angry when he looks around and sees, oh, first Cage didn't want to pal around with me. Now he's about to fuck me even harder because now he's going to steal the Declaration of Independence himself, which he betrayed me to do. So really, if anything, Nick Cage is betraying him. Yeah, it's... I really, I do enjoy this movie, but the entire, like, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, why are you doing this? If your family's secret is the secret of this great treasure, why do you want to find, why expose this? Because if you can prove that it's true, then it would validate everything that the rest of his family has been searching for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then you just have this, oh shit, how do we again hide this massive treasure that even fucking... Y- you give the treasure to the people. Like, that's what he wanted to do. He didn't it believe any belongs in a museum! How much better would this be if the Ark of Covenant showed up and melted off Sean Bean's face? Yeah, kind of great. Mm-hmm. But this is a PG Disney film. (laughs) 
Yeah, for pretty gruesome. Yeah. I was watching something in the past couple days and realized that there is a, at least for TV, there is a PG, like, one of the things that can get you a PG TV rating is fear. Like, I think it might have been an episode of Once Upon a Time, and literally when the rating came up on the screen, it was, screen, it was like, Fighting and fear were the two things that got it dinged to PG. Well, I mean, to be fair, Jenning G basically is like baby's first anything. Yeah. Jenning G? So you don't want to have, yeah, any type of fear. And even one bad word gets you a PG rating. Hell. It's the whole, it's the whole thing with E.T. It's why I think the word either, I think it's why uh, Drew Barrymore says the word ass is because... Uh, G movies typically bombed at the box office. And Spielberg knew that, so he knew that the movie's going to get a G rating because there's nothing offensive in it, so he has Drew Barrymore say ass so it gets the PG rating. He should have gone full hog on it and made her say motherfucker. Yeah. Look at that fucking alien. <laughs> <laughs> Who ate all fucking my fucking Reese's Pieces? <laughs> Fuck. Fucking fly, Elliot. Fucking fly. <laughs> I have not seen E.T. E.T. Fuck. <laughs> I held up my finger. I hated <laughs> that so much, Lucas. God damn it. Yeah, so not gonna lie. I hated that through the, through the audio, too. <laughs> you didn't even have to deal with the visual of it. Also, I highly feel like that the treasure's estimated worth of ten billion is like very undervalued. Yeah, uh, ten billion is a lot of money. It is, but for how much These shit they found in that of place? Years of stolen. I mean, like the fact that it is all a bunch of gold, and then the antiquity part of it as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Like, Nothing exists from the Library of Alexandria, so that is literally a priceless thing. If they just have a bunch of scrolls from the Library of Alexandria, like, how are you going to put a valuation on that? Because it was fucking destroyed. Yeah, but it's also kind of like on Antiques Roadshow where it's like, oh yeah, this is really old, but does anybody actually want it? Yes, people would... People would the the historical community would flip the fuck out for that one. <laughs> I... We've watched a lot of Antiques Roadshow, and it's like, yeah, here's a 2,000-year... Or, this is like a 1,000-year-old bowl that's been passed down. Like, a hundred bucks. Yeah. But, I guess... This would be much more that, like, that rookie Mickey Mantle card that Homer brings to the comic book shop. And it's only worth everything (laughs) I have in this store. (laughs) There was a, uh... Episode of it... That uh, Abby had gotten frustrated with because a person brought in a binder of the original Alpha and Beta Magic the Gathering. And it was like worth over a million dollars. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. It was the most expensive thing on that episode of Antiques Roadshow. I think oh, yeah, probably. the entire season that we had seen. No, those, those magic cards are worth money. Mm-hmm. Don't, play with Don't underestimate the nerds and their money. Don't estimate nerds who 
<laughs> want things that are now status symbols. Well, my former brother-in-law also used to play it around that time, too, and his comment was, I guess, those two runs are also were very small. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't big, so there's also not a ton of them left. Yeah. Basically. So that's the, also part of it, too. The Action Comics number one. Situation. Basically, yeah. Nobody knew it was going to be big, and now that it is big, it's virtually rare because it's rare. Yeah. Remember, Nicolas Cage invested a large amount of money into Action Comics number one. Yeah, and his copy was worth like three hundred grand that it didn't even have the cover. Mm-hmm. That's because Cage loves the comic books. Yes. Did you also know that the Cage went on his real life national treasure, searching for the Holy Grail? What? Please explain yep. this. He was going around England at some point in time. He was trying. He was like doing like historical research and was trying to see if he could find the Holy Grail. I'm sorry, was this in the mid-2000s, like maybe two to three years after this particular movie He did not, out? he never gave a specific timeline for when he did it. <laughs> maybe he thought that This, this was your... revealed last year, this was revealed last year. <laughs> this might have been why I saw him in Bat in 2006 <laughs> or 2007. Potentially, because, yeah, bro was trying to find the Holy Grail. What celebrity would you trust with the Holy Grail? Assuming that it has the power to give those who drink from it eternal life. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Devin? She's a judge. That's not a celebrity. What TV programs are she on? None. Uh, She's on Teacherama. She's one of the judges who... Is a judge again in the future? Does she do the voice? No. Bam. I'm quite sure that I trust the cage to do it because I feel like he embodies enough of his characters that he, if he found it, he would basically just be Benjamin Gates. But what if the uh, light on it causes Cage to be refracted into eight different Nicholas Cages of different levels of evil or different emotions? You know, the generic, oh, here's good cage, here's evil cage, here's scaredy cage, here's fighty cage. You know, that that whole trope. What trope is that? It happens. You either, you either drink the Holy Grail and you turn into a skeleton man, or you're fine. No. And you pour your, your magic water onto Sean Connery's chest and then he doesn't die. No, the Nazi who drank from it just drank from the wrong cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because he thought it was going to be a golden cup, and instead it was a plain carpenter's cup. I have not seen any of... What what series are we talking about? Yeah, please tell us the series. (laughs) Harrison Ford! (laughs) Good. That is the name of the man. (laughs) (laughs) It's a state. It's a state. And a very generic last name. Arkansas Dumbass. Arkansas Dumbass? Dumbass. (laughs) Indiana Jones. (laughs) Good job, Abby. (laughs) 
Arkansas, dumbass. My entire cultural reference point for Indiana Jones was there was an episode of, I want to say it was the Israeli version of Sesame Street, where Sarah Jessica Parker plays Indiana Jones and run, escapes from a giant meat matzo ball as opposed to a giant boulder. Interesting. I only have very vague memories of it. Wild. Yes. I mean, it is one of those things that is such a recurring set of motifs now. Uh, it's common. In a way that I don't think National Treasure ever really got, because National Treasure was also coming out at around the same time that the Da Vinci Code was getting super big. I yeah, like you always also. Well, had... Da Vinci a little bit bigger. Oh, it was a little later. When did? Because this came out in middle school. Da Vinci Code was high school. I feel like this was kind of in the middle of the first three um, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, it was right after the first one. The first Da Vinci Code movie was in two thousand six. So the book came out in two thousand three. Yeah. So I, I think this would have hit around the same time because people suddenly got really into cryptograms, which is partially probably why the movie did so well. But then I think the movie had a lot more... Well, the movie and the book had a lot more visual things. I would also say it's also because, as Abby just mentioned, with Pirates of the Caribbean, but you also had that because they were both produced by Jerry Bruckheimer because that was kind of his heyday of producing all the kick-ass fun movies of that time. Okay, I'm not crazy. It is show 10, Passover, air date 1991, of Shalom Sesame. It is scene 4, and it is Jerusalem Jones and the Lost, lost Afi Komen. And Sarah Jessica Parker plays Jerusalem Jones. Nice. Mhm. And there are three parts to it. But yeah, this movie would have come out the year after Pies of the Caribbean. Yeah, and I think you definitely like. I was noticing a lot of similarities, especially in the soundtrack. Mhm. I think that it's very easy to see when they were just like, oh, we should do more big adventure movies. We well, yeah, it's produced by the same man. That's right. like kind of his big thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I believe you mean CSI is Jerry Bruckheimer's big thing. Well, he did a lot of big things. That man's produced a lot of great films. He had the Pirates movies. Yeah, have National Treasure. Top Gun. Uh, so Trevor... Armageddon. <laughs> uh, Trevor Rabin scored Con Air. Arma- he also produced Con Air. Uh, Armageddon, Enemy of the State, Remember the Titans, Gone 60 Seconds, like a bunch of movies. He also produced Kangaroo Jack, which was a Bruckheimer production. Uh, I've seen Kangaroo Jack. National Treasure, Snakes on a Plane... Uh, weirdly, he did not do Pirates of the Caribbean. 
Ooh. I enjoyed Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> he also scored G-Force and The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Nice. The Sorcerer's Apprentice being another uh, being another John Turtletop film. They went to high school together. Him and Cage. Mm-hmm. I'd believe it. Yeah. Par- apparently Turtletop beat him out for the lead in the school play in high school. <laughs> uh... Turtle Top. Cage got a bit. Cage got a bit part of like two lines he said as a result. <laughs> Turtle Top also directed Disney's The Kid and Sorcerer's Apprentice and Phenomenon and Cool Runnings. I was gonna say you're missing the big one, Luke, which was and Cool Runnings <laughs> and Three Ninjas. I'm sorry. It is very important for me to point out that Jerry Brockheimer also produced Confessions of a Shopaholic. Nice. Oh man, Andrew Toadtop directed The Meg. I did not see that, but it looked fascinating. Oh, it was great. I went and saw that. Uh, and I still have a drink cozy for that movie. Nice. So yes. And he did all the Bad Boys movies, including the newest one, Bad Boys for Life. Which, if the Oscars don't uh, change their rules, going to get a Best Picture nomination. Well, there Pushed it back a couple months, didn't they? Yeah, they're also changing their stu- <clears throat> their stupid rules. I was really into like the weirdest of categories. Mm-hmm. Like there was those guys who bought out an entire theater so they could have the number one grossing movie in the box office. Yeah, see, that's smart. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think they should just have one year of absolute hell. Where it's just like, we're just gonna, whatever, one out, one out. This is what you cowards get for stacking the beginning of the year with garbage movies. Hell yeah. And then they can change it next year. But I feel like they should just let whatever the fuck is gonna happen, happen. Well, and I was super into it because it was last week, I think it was last week, the number one movie in America, Jurassic Park. Because that's what all the drive-in theaters were showing. Yeah. You know, if if we do this, it would give Lamorne Morris a chance to uh, get a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Bloodshot. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I have that in my backpack. It came in for me at the library. It's a good dumb movie time. Kind of what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets very video gamey towards the end. Good. Like, straight up, oh, this is where they plan to put in the uh, quick time events. But, Abby, you were saying that you thought that this movie only had, like, two people that would be important to go through their filmography. I did not recognize Diane Kruger. Wait, what else do you know her from? Nothing. She was in Troy, also came out the same year. What a shit show film. I saw Tro- okay, I saw Troy in a fucking world history summer school class. Like we watched The Other Berlin Girl and Troy and like took like a day and a half to watch Troy cuz it's so fucking long. So long. So let's see. I have seen Troy, National Treasure. Didn't see Glorious Bastards? <laughs> I have seen Glorious Bastards. Oh, that's right. So I've also so that's up to four because I've also seen the second National Treasure movie. Um, I 
Yep, that does it. I have seen four Diane Kruger films. And then, most importantly, head of the FBI, Harvey Keitel. Hold, please. Let me bring him. Like, that man, I was like, in terms of, like, movies, he's, like, one of the biggest actors in there. I do want to say, feel free to make fun of me. I regularly mix up Sean Bean and Sean Astin because I keep thinking that Sean Bean is Sean Astin because Sean Bean sounds more like a really... How do you think... How do you believe that... I keep... Thinking that when people are like Sean Bean, I picture Samwise Gamgee. Why? Because they were both in Lord of the Rings. Instead of fucking Boromir. <laughs> yeah, but to me, but but to me, yeah, but they're both in the same movie. That's to me is how you should keep them more apart. Nope, because I never learned them in the first place. That is my biggest issue with Sean Bean is that I always want to say Seen Bean. Yeah. But. That's because it works out better. I mean, I've seen a good number of Sean Bean movies, but yeah, somehow my mind keeps just mixing them up. Let's see. I am up to 1993 for Harvey Keitel, and I have seen zero. I believe it. That's fair. I've never seen Pulp Fiction. With his older movies, that's fair. Mm Mm-hmm. Never taxi driver, but oh, I've read four dogs. So actually, there's a lot of movies you should watch. Yeah. Do we need another person in the world to talk about Taxi Driver or Reservoir Dogs? Oh, I mean, I, in my opinion, not enough people talk about Reservoir Dogs. Is that the Irish one? No, no, that's Boondock Saints. Okay. Reservoir Dogs is the one with stuck in the middle with you. Also, hot take, potentially, I don't know. Uh, Boondock Saints sucked. Oh, no, it, it, it sucks. It is... Like, that movie's not good at all. There's a new Polygon video that went up this week that was uh, rating games that you would have movie posters of based on how closely the games are tied to the movie poster as opposed to the actual movie. So, mm-hmm. like, Scarface and Reservoir Dogs and Boondock Saints, because I was supposed to get a game and how pretty much all of these games where it's about tough criminals doing crimes in the movie, it's all about how everything falls apart for them and how they're destroyed by what they're going after. And in the games, it's like, oh, no, you just get to keep doing that because that's badass and that's what people who buy the posters want. It's like, yeah, yeah that's that's it. There's only one good movie video game that came out way after the fact that was actually great. And that was the Warriors game. That game was phenomenal. But that one actually doesn't change how the movie goes, so... They did a good job. I have seen three Harvey Keitel movies. Both nice, which ones? National Treasures and Glorious Bastards. Oh, that's right, because we established we haven't seen Wes Anderson movies. That's right. And it's fine that you don't see the Irishman. Harvey Keitel is a name who I know, but I just don't have a good picture of him in my mind. We literally just saw I, 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 I am aware of that. But it's just like, if I'm not actively thinking about Harvey Keitel, he's like, uh... He's man that's been old since the beginning of his life. Mm-hmm. 
He just yeah. always looks that way. But then, most importantly, for the big actor, it is the man who will eventually replace all actors when everyone gets out of as being problematic and will just be the only actor in film, Christopher Plummer. Which I forgot he was in this. Yeah. Wait. What? He was the grandfather. Oh. At the very beginning. Which is like, damn, you got a like, good actor for like that 30 second part. So far, I'm up to three John Voight movies. That's fine. No one needs to see John Voight movies. Because he sucks very bad. Yeah. Literally the only thing I know of John The entire time I watched that movie was John Voight would have betrayed Nicolas Cage to work with the bad guys from the beginning. I mean, he kind of did. No, he just said you should stop doing it because he doesn't believe in the treasure. Real John Voight would have actively worked against Cage. Well, uh, I have an idea for a new segment. Hmm. Similar movies that don't have Nicolas Cage. Does anybody else have a recommendation for a heist film that they enjoy? Or... Uh, to me, National Treasure is very much the middle portion of the new Aquaman film that came out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but if only National Treasure had more lasers. <laughs> and people throwing shit. Wait, I just remember watching the new Aquaman movie and then, yeah, when it's like them trying to find... Like, all the weird stuff. It's just like, oh, I bet if I look through this, like, glass out through this particular way, it'll help me see where the new treasure clue is. It's like, wow, we took a weird national treasure spin right here. I was not expecting that, but I'm real into it. But also remember when it's like, hey, we're on a boat, and there's a bunch of fishman zombies trying to kill us now. What the hell? Yeah. (laughs) Not all of it lined up, but... Yeah, parts of it. They they try to put in a bunch of very Jeff Johnsy things. Yeah, Abby, do you have a heist recommendation? Heists are good. My brain just like deleted every single thing I have ever seen that involves a heist. <laughs> Leverage. Yeah. In terms of video games, though, it is actually very similar to the um, Uncharted game franchise. Or even the second one, because. <laughs> Even in the second one, when there's basically a Sean Bean, isn't it? <laughs> Sean Bean, Bean, Bean. Basically. You have your British pal who then betrays you. Well, and in though, the opening heist segment. Those started coming out after, I believe, the second National Treasure movie had come out. So. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's also weird. And, yeah, and the other one it's very similar to is it's very similar to uh, a, a less supernatural version of The Mummy. I that is a gap in my movie experience. I think it was from that period where I was just like, "Oh, I don't want to watch anything that might scare me." And now it's like, "No, nah, give me, give me that uh, action adventure. Give me that beef rage." I'm confused. So you say you have not seen? I have not seen mummy? any of the mummy films, <gasps> except for the, the first two, like black and white. Okay. Uh, my recommendation is going to be, unsurprisingly, uh, a One Piece movie, One Piece Gold, 
where they have to go up against a casino owner who has power over gold. It's very good. He can control gold. I hate everything you just said. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thumbs up. I like a good. This was into. I'm trying to think of things that involve like. I feel like you have heist movies and then you have gadget movies and this one's, because like my brain is like the Kingsmen just for the gadgety part of it or like Men in Black, but those don't really have the heist part of it. But I also wouldn't even really consider this a heist movie because only the heist is like for that one scene. Most of it, I would say, is more of like the historical treasure hunting. Mm -hmm. That's fair. That's very fair. And the heist part, yeah, super cool. It's more history adventure. Yeah. It makes kids want to learn more about history and then be disappointed. I feel like Benjamin Franklin's glasses things would have rusted over the 300 years they were sitting in that wall, and they definitely would have gotten broken while they were trying to switch between the lenses. I mean, they would have been, like, preserved. I'm more bothered by, like, how easily Nicolas Cage got the, uh... The cement around the brick out. Like, he just sticks a knife in there and it comes out like it's putty. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. It was the basis that one of my friends and I used back in, I think it was like, probably 8th grade. We had to, you had to come up with your own invention. (laughs) And then present that. To, like, the school. So ours was more for, it was for people who need, like, instead of, like, just using bifocals, but, like, you need to, like, have different uh, shaped lenses to do specific tasks, specifically in, like, tool working field. So we basically made the Nicolas Cage classes with different uh, prescription strengths for different activities. Oh, I just realized we did that. dope. (laughs) I just realized we did not actually go over the plot of the movie. It Nicholas, everybody everyone knows the plot of, of National Treasure. <laughs> we don't need to go over the plot of National Treasure. It's completely unimportant to this podcast. Nicholas Cage is trying to steal the Declaration of Independence to try to find a Freemason treasure. Sean Bean wants it for himself. The end. And then a bunch Riley of is a great character. Luke does not know how to have fun. <laughs> uh. He's a shitty white guy, and if you knew him in real life, you'd probably be just really tired of his attitude. He's He was also like 26 at the time. I feel that. <laughs> You're being strung along by a man who keeps promising you treasure and then almost gets you killed on multiple occasions. And it's like, here is this great, amazing treasure... Here's your five million. Sorry you've wasted, I don't know, five years of your life following me around the globe. No, I no. agree. It was no, like, wow, five mil sounds like, for the, for the amount of shit you just went through, does seem really small. Uh, no, I don't quite remember. Did they actually say five million is what each of them it got? It was half of one percent. So I did And that math. was based off of ten billion dollars. I also did right. the math. Mm-hmm. Okay. If that if that checks out like they said it does, which is still why I think the ten bill is personally undervaluing it. Right. But yeah, it means he got five mil. Which, well, like that's a lot of money, but in terms of like if you've been that told type you're of like, thing, yeah, you're that's actually for the not that much treasure ever. 
Yeah. Very undervalued. I think that's 500 mil, not 5 mil. No. No. It's half of a... So it's half a percent. It's 10 billion times 0. 0.005. That's $5 million. That's $50 million. That's $5 million, Luke. I've got it pulled up here. Ten billion times point zero zero five. Oh, maybe I only did one. Oh, maybe I only did one billion. Staying corrected. Luke was correct on that part. Yeah. I didn't add one extra zero. Math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, five million does seem very low. And that's five million. Fifty mil still sounds pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> 50 million is no you can burn through a lot of shit like you can burn through a million dollars every year and you're for the rest of your life and be fine yeah but again but he's 26 he'll still be alive when he's pouring out of money luke also they're very law-abiding so they would probably pay taxes on that also that too Nerds. I mean, Benjamin Franklin Gates would absolutely pay the full amount of taxes. He'd probably even be like, here's what I should be paying in taxes. Please keep this money. But wouldn't it be something that he could write off as a taxable donation? Because it's like, oh, hey, look at all this shit that I'm donating to three museums. Yeah, but it was never actually him. He would have to prove that he actually was in possession of $10 million before he could do it as a write-off. Yeah. He never had possession of it because he immediately called the FBI and was like, here, please disseminate this to various museums. But then why is he getting invited to talk to, at the museum? Because he found it. Because he was given a finder's fee. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, he specific, they specifically mentioned it's a finder's fee. Okay. Also, I love the FBI's whole the whole someone needs to go to jail thing. And it's like, and then when they're like listing off the charges against Sean Bean, I'm like, but you're sending to Sean Bean to jail for completely unrelated charges right? like, and crimes. Nothing. Like nowhere did you like, say about the the stealing the declaration that is not listed anywhere. Right. That was my thing too. It's like, uh, you nothing about like breaking into a secured government building or anything like that. Yeah. That's to me, it's just like, I'm sorry, even if Cage stole the decoration, if he was able to bring back this treasure, first off, he's rich enough now that he would get off for it. Right. It's like Cage would have gotten off with a slap on the wrist. Okay, well... Actually, I, no, he probably would have gotten, and he would have gotten a presidential pardon, no questions asked. Yeah. Uh, adjusted for inflation, that $50 million in 2004 dollars would now be worth... Sixty-nine million seven hundred sixteen thousand nice. two hundred twenty-three dollars and fifty-five cents. Math. Good for Riley. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that Nicolas Cage got to move into the Xavier Mansion for a building that looks just like it. You know what that one looks like? It, I mean, it looks like every single fucking McMansion ever. But I'm specifically thinking of, did you see the one that had, like, the mini, mini town in the basement 
that was going around Twitter, like, I don't know, time is meaningless right now, a month ago. Mm-hmm. Which was also, like, very, like, I'm guessing that was, like, in Alexandria. Like, that's very Alexandria fucking McMansion, maybe has a tiny village in the basement. Well, and the scenes that they did at Liberty Hall was actually uh, filmed at the Knott's Berry Farm replication reproduction which always makes me think of the shack tweet i'm at knott's berry farms and my butt's too big to fit into seats on the ride ah that's me yelling <laughs> wow <laughs> you have not seen that tweet Devin? i don't think so you who have eaten the shackaroni pizza that was good pizza, too. When is this tweet from? This sounds like very 2009 to 2013. Uh, August 20th, 2009. <laughs> wow, what a great tweet. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> okay. Everybody watch. I will say that Paige is much more believable as a weird action hero than he is as, like, a vampire or a high schooler. What well, was it that? It was that, like, nice amount of action where he's actually not really doing a ton of action. Right. <laughs> Never once does he, like, punch a person. That's true. He just does some cool jumps. As John Voight was very correct of, yo, these are some rickety-ass stairs. We're probably going to die. <laughs> but it's okay. You can just fall to the next level and get a concussion. Except, except for Shaw. R.I.P. Shaw. Shaw is a completely disposable human being. It has been well established by Sean Bean. Now, do you think... That Nicolas Cage's character in this movie, Ben Gates, could stop Shaw from the Fast and the Furious movies if he had to do a heist off. Actually, what I was thinking is if he did go to prison... With Shaw. The only one who's alive because doesn't the younger one who is evil end up dying? I still have, like, a few that I have not seen. Oh, well, that's spoiler. No. Statum. But st- both, both of them are still alive. Oh. I was thinking, like, oh, what if the Con Air remake was just Ben Gates needing to get away, come, returning from prison after having been in prison for stealing the Declaration of Independence? And Sean Bean's out for revenge, because look at that, a film where Sean Bean did not die in the end. Mm-hmm. It's because he wasn't a dad. Yeah. Wait, what? All the movies where Sean Bean is a dad or a paternal figure, he dies. Like all the movies and TV shows like Game of Thrones and uh, Stranger That's Things. He's not in Stranger Things. Is that the other Sean? Shut the fuck off, Luke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I say that's Sean Aston. <laughs> I get them mixed up. 
but they don't even look the same. One is very clearly Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the other one has a beard. And once that beard is off, he could look like Samwise Gamgee. Have you seen Sean Astin's chin? I don't think that's possible. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, a beard does a lot of cover-up work. I mean, there's also like a 20-year age difference between the two men, too. I mean, like, I feel like on a name basis, if you told me sometimes you confused Skylar Astin and Sean Astin, I would at least understand because the names are very similar. But... But having the first same name and being in Lord of the Rings and a lot of fantasy stuff is not enough to validate my confusion? No. Okay. So. What Sean B movies have you seen, Abby? <laughs> All three Lord of the Rings. That's good, because at first it was just like, there's going to be a correct answer to the minimum number you have seen. Let's see. Let me get to his... Skyler um, Bean was a North Carolina State University basketball player. Baseball player. Black Beauty. National Treasure. So you don't watch James Bond movies, right? Nope. That was the one really good one with uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. That also had a very good game that came out after the movie. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then the game punishes you when you're in there in the second mission. When you're meeting up with Sean Bean and you shoot him and the game says you lose because he killed Sean Bean. But it's just like, but he's going to betray me and is the overarching villain. If anything, I just saved everyone. Mm-hmm. And you can't just be odd job and kill him. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And then you saw Troy. He was also in Troy. Yeah. Because everyone was in Troy. Who all was in Troy? Well, I mean, first, I mean, you have Brad Pitt was Achilles. That was the big one. Yeah. Which I personally did. There's only per one person who I actually thought was actually legitimately a good actor in that one, and that was Eric Bana as Hector. And then once he dies halfway through, the movie went very You did not though. enjoy um, Orlando Bloom's kind of sad performance in that one? Oh, God, no. <laughs> that was the movie where it was just like, maybe Orlando Bloom sucks and he just got really lucky with a couple of films. I mean, I'm not saying you're really wrong in that opinion. Because really, Orlando Bloom really hasn't done... All that much. I could be wrong. But Using like, those Hobbit movies and I hated them. <laughs> Remember that time where we're supposed to pretend that he is an ageless immortal elf and he did not clearly age about 15 years <laughs> in a prequel? Yep. Um, oh god. The three and like a super wrong time too because like that would have been like an early 20s to like a late 30s Orlando Bloom. Oh god, the 2011 Three Musketeers is truly one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Ooh, I never saw that one. It's atrocious. Yeah, yep, he certainly has a videography. 
Or a film author, I should say. It's a kid in my heaven, I remember liking that. Oh god, Elizabeth Town. Oh god. Elizabeth Town. But yeah, no, actually, he wasn't in a whole. Damn, he's actually not in that much. No, he's really not, and especially not like. Well, no, part of it was kind of because of his girlfriend around. Because his like, girlfriend, for some reason, talked him out of doing another Pirates of the Caribbean film. Yeah. For some reason. Sure, why not? Even though the fourth one was by far better than the second or third one. Which one was the fourth one? That was with Blackbeard. Ah. That one at least felt like we were getting back to some fun piratey stuff. Wait, was that the one with the mermaid? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Remember when she drowned her, like, new boyfriend? That was weird. That was weird. I think about, I think about that sometimes. I think she was trying to save him. I think there was some, like, lore thing about, like, mermaids. I feel like maybe he got changed into one when she did that. But it was very not well implied, and it just kind of looks like she just drowns him. But yeah, I mean, yeah, let's see, Troy, you have Brad Pitt, you have Eric Bano, Orlando Bloom, Diane Kruger, Brian Cox, Sean Bean, I Brendan Gleeson. I do not Gleason. remember Rose Byrne being in that movie at all. That was a very minor part, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Peter O'Toole in one of his final films. <laughs> that was sad, <laughs> but that's one of his last movies. <laughs> oh yeah, and then that dude who was in that new Peter Pan movie was in it. Which Peter Pan? The new one. The weird one. The one by the Pan. There have been so many Peter Pan. Yeah, the one, the one, the one with what's his name with uh with Wolverine as Captain Hook. Oh, <laughs> the one where they sing Nirvana songs. Yeah. The fuck? And then, Pe- <laughs> yeah. and then Peter and then Peter Pan Kamehameha is Captain Hook to death at the end. Yep, into the crystal spikes. Yeah, the one where it was like, hey. Maybe we should try and uh, not have really offensive Native American stereotypes so they just turned everything into a uh, Burning Man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the one where Rooney Mara, Rooney Mara plays Tiger Lily. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Uh, I think Devin and I both saw that on the same day as like part of a preview audience. Yeah. It was awful because ah. they gave uh, inflatable swords to all the kids who were going out to see it. Oh, we so, didn't get that at ours. <laughs> yeah, there was, uh, like, a big event, and they were just giving out swords, and the kids got bored with the movie. Rightfully so, and were just attacking each other with swords. That was actually a great day. What we got was we spun the wheel, and we got, it was, a sh- um, like, a message in a bottle, but then it was a puzzle inside. Mm. And then my roommate and I went to see it, and then we got tanked that night, and then we just kept watching Sandler films. And got some pizza, and the pizza man thought we were like completely wasted on wine because he just saw this uh, the, the ship in the bottle because <laughs> we were trying to build our because we were trying to build our puzzle. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I don't think I've seen I've seen so there are so many bad adaptations of Peter Pan, and I have seen a lot of them, and I truly. 
cannot remember if I have seen the 2015 one. I was actually kind of into it. It was like, this is really dumb, but at least they're going for something. Remember when they all sang Nirvana, Phil, as a pirate song? And some Ramones. Yes. Don't forget the Ramones. <laughs> By a lot of these sedated, right? Or no, yeah. beat on the bat. No, no, yeah. What? Uh, all the pirates sing Beat on the Brat as a pirate shanty because they have to harvest the magical rocks and let people fly. Okay, I I don't think I've seen this one. I feel like I would have remembered it. Yeah, you would remember. It's fucking wild. And that, like, director's, like, filmography is, like, fascinating. Because he did, like, the, the Kira Knightley, like, Pride and Prejudice movie and, like, Atonement and Anna Karenina. Like, all those, like, really, like, weird, like, period pieces that are, like, beloved of, like, huge critical acclaim. Then let's follow it up by making a weird-ass Peter Pan movie. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, that didn't work out. Let's do Darkest Hour. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Neither did I. Yeah, what a wild ass. Oh, wait, no. Dark Tower? Never mind, I did see that one. I forgot that was about. Does... And the does movies. a lot of pan... And no, that, that's, very, that's very on track for him. Does a lot of the beginning part of pan take place, like, on rooftops? I mean, no. kind of. I mean, there's like, there's, they're, like, in the orphanage. Yeah. I think that, yeah, okay. I think I saw the big, like, maybe, like, the first, like, 20 minutes of it and then, like, bowed out. Because I definitely remember, like, a Peter Pan thing with a lot of, like, rooftop bullshit in London. And then, but I definitely feel like I would have remembered people singing Nirvana songs. So I must have bowed out of it, like, pretty early on. I can't blame you. Yeah. It was a wild film. <laughs> well, uh, we should probably wrap up so we can do some other things with our Saturday. But uh, where can people find you online, Devin? Uh, you can find me online at uh, Fred Ofet, that's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T, and Abby, where can people find you? Hey, I don't remember how to spell my Twitter username. <laughs> you can find me online at Abnominus, that's a-B-B-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S. Luke, where can you be found? You can find me on Twitter at at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. Uh, this podcast is published in two locations. There's the Patreon feed, which is free to listen to, and then there's a secondary feed that you can find as part of the Luke Hare Podcast Project. Probably some other things are going to go up there sometime soon, but I don't know. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks to watch the Nicolas Cage movie that Devin suggested. Guarding Tess. Guarding, Guarding Tess. Tess. I like just watching the fun ones. This is a better approach to this. Well, actually, for the most part, we're starting to get to some of the fun ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I have... Yeah. Because mid-90s Cage is, like, where he hits that stride, like, super hard for the action films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we'll have to do Ghost Rider. But I very much enjoyed... But yes, Abby, sorry, I interrupted. No, I've yeah. just... I've enjoyed the past three. They have been much more enjoyable than the previous ones. 
I'd be up for putting up another poll after regarding test to figure out what we watch next where we can each suggest a movie again and then <laughs> let it be voted on. I will read the descriptions more thoroughly this time. <laughs> you don't want to see a rom-com like Leaving Las Vegas? I clicked through like six movies in really quick succession, okay? Okay. Yeah, uh, to be fair, he is great in it. He did win the Academy Award, the third youngest man to win it at that time. Yeah, it's just uh, not. Fu- it's just not fun and happy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, thank you all for listening to this episode of the podcast. We'll be back in two more weeks, and you can catch Devin and I next week on Multiversal Q, which. I don't think there's a lot of crossover here. No. Well, I will whenever we hit the Ghost Rider. Yeah. Yeah. And Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance. All I know is the bike, which I have seen in person. Which I have ridden on. Nice. With Idris Elba in the second one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, all I can think about when you said that was that fact that the beginning of London Boy is actually just a sound boy bite of Idris Elba going, we can go riding on my scooter! So what if it's just yeah. Taylor Swift and, I, and Idris Elba running around London on the Ghost Rider bike? That would be great. What if Taylor Swift was Ghost Rider? That would be fantastic. I still remember when we all got excited thinking she was going to be Dazzler. Yeah, I mean, we got a Dazzler song in the movie that came after, but otherwise it was a big old tease. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go and explain who Dazzler is to Abby, who will not care. See you all next time. Catch you on the flip mode. Peace.